0: hey friends welcome to another episode of forging the path i'm so stoked for this one i'm here with my friend matt warner and uh real quick this this is a podcast to help men battle things like isolation and distraction and passivity by fixing our eyes on jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith um so forging the path You know, Jesus, Jesus is our trailblazer and he's the only way forward for us. And so the culture is saying a lot of stuff about what it means to be a man, a woman. um, And we want to bring truth to that conversation by, uh, by talking a lot about Jesus and the Bible and sharing stories with, uh, with other dudes. So welcome today, my friend, Matt Warner. Here's the funny thing. Matt and I went to high school together. At McGuanago High School. Mucktown. Good old Mucktown. Good old Mucktown. <laughs> yeah. So Matt and I weren't uh necessarily really good friends in high school. I think we 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 kind of became friends senior year during track. Maybe we yeah we, yeah, we, we were, pulled some pranks together. We were acquaintances, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were both not following Jesus at that time. Um but uh then we reconnected. This is such a cool God thing. We reconnected then just Four, three, four years later, I like it's just wild, and our families reconnected, and uh, we became fast friends, and we just, it was really cool. We just started celebrating, like look what God did in our lives, um, two undeserving goofballs, um, and so it's been really fun. Matt, welcome, thanks so much for being yeah,
1: here. Thanks for having me. It was more like fifteen years later, fifteen years after high school. Oh, what did I say?
0: Four. Four you no, I meant yeah, thank you. So I meant four years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, bad. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for correcting the timeline, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that I'm still in my mid twenties. So high <laughs> school was nice, just yeah. high school was just a few years ago.
1: Could have gone to state.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, those glory days. <laughs> they were the glory days. Oh no, I think now are the glory days actually. Um and so today we're gonna this is this is really cool. We're gonna share. The power of a testimony. Um, There's nothing you can say against a transformed life. You know the 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 world can try and deny the power of God and the gospel and um, you know biblical truth, all they want to, but you cannot deny when someone's own life goes from darkness to light. Um, you, you, there's, there's, there's nothing you can say against that. That's indisputable evidence that that something or someone is at work. And, uh, Matt has an amazing testimony. So I'm going to kind of tee it up, Matt. I want you to share whatever's on your heart as far as your testimony. Uh, and, and I'll interject and try and dig a little deeper at certain moments, but you just have one of those really powerful stories and i'd love for you to share that
1: sure man yeah thanks for having me on it's exciting to be here and um and uh (laughs) be a part of this legacy that uh uh, that you're creating here and um yeah so it's super exciting but yeah it's uh it's so funny how we ended up reconnecting and you know how our, our stories um you know formed over the years and uh yeah i um it's, it's crazy to sit here and think that um, you talk about having a transformed life, and, and I would say that, yes, I certainly am uh, living a transformed life uh, compared to <laughs> those, quote-unquote, glory days Um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's still a struggle. It's still something that's, uh, it, the story is still being told and, and, uh, and being formed as we, as we continue forward, uh, despite having there being, you know, life changing transformation. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> life is a struggle. And, uh, but, you know, we go on and there's hope and there's, uh, you know, definitely, um, challenging, but rewarding times to
0: come. So, uh, so I'm excited for that, but for sure. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, by the way, everyone, we're both still in process. <laughs> we're we're both, we're both still sinners who need Jesus, but yeah. we're, we're not just sinners. I mean, I was thinking about it even on the way here and my
1: what? eyes were tearing up. It's like, gosh, dang, where am I at right now? You know? And, uh, um, so you kind of caught me at a, an interesting time. So, um, but I think this will be great to look back on, my testimony and and revisit it just for myself, right? Just to, you know, have a little bit of an eye opener. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. God brought me through all of that. And, you know, despite me spitting in his face, essentially, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and here I am all these years later and still having those moments where it's like, <laughs> I am questioning God and spitting in his face again, you know? Uh, but he still loves me. And, and, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. It'll be a, <laughs> a cool thing to to see. Interested to see uh you know into the future and you know looking back even on today um how how God will have transformed my life even more. So.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, yeah. so take us from sure. take us through it. Take us through the story.
1: Yeah, man, I was a bad kid. Um, <laughs> you know, lived a good upbringing, but gosh, it's so crazy how sin and and trouble were just at my core. Um, (laughs) I had a good friend whose nickname was Trouble, but I think that my nickname should have been Trouble. But um, yeah, you know, lived a kind of a typical suburban life, Uh, you know, grew up, didn't have a a ton of money growing up or anything like that. But, um, you know, we got to run and roam and ride bikes all over the place. And, you know there was a freedom when i was young that uh i don't think a lot of kids get to live these days um mm-hmm. and uh um and so yeah i i got to go out and explore and get myself in trouble and you know play with fire and you know um gosh i got um I mean, just temptation was rampant, you know, with that freedom as a young child. And I can remember going into Walmart and stealing stuff and, um, and then ultimately, you know, ended up getting caught, um, Gosh, I think I was 14 years old, I think, uh, when I got arrested in the Walmart parking lot no uh, way. with pockets. Yeah, I actually uh, didn't
0: know that part of your story. Yeah. <laughs> arrested at 14.
1: Yeah, had pockets full of these chromie caps. Me and another friend uh, from McWanago, uh, we were riding our bikes around. We got hired to do corn detasseling that summer. But after a couple of weeks, something happened, and, and we all ultimately ended up getting let go because of something with the seed company, blah, blah, blah but you know had nothing better to do so it's like all right we're going to go ride our bikes <laughs> around and steal chromie caps off of uh off of people's cars and if for those that don't know what chromie caps are they're these little valve stem covers that are chrome or you know decorative or whatever so yeah yeah we just thought we'd go around and, and it was steal. the 90s yeah. those, those were a thing oh yeah so ended up getting caught for doing that and uh um and yeah, just, you know, as I continued through uh, through life, you know, I had a great time in high school. Um, but then, of course, you know, you get a little taste of like, oh, i to like to drink alcohol and, you know, do that. And then that uh, led into college years of, you know, just having lots of fun and uh, quote unquote fun. I mean, it, it was fun, it but was,
0: it's fun at the time. Yeah. Right? You know, in the moment.
1: Um, but, yeah, after, you know, six, seven years of, of doing that and trying to have a lot of fun and thinking, you know, like putting all of like my world was my friends and the people around me. And I thought that, you know. uh friendships would be forever and these people would do anything for me. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to see how people's lives drift apart, you know, and drift different ways and and people move on. And, um, and it was just really, you know, it was more shallow, right. Mm-hmm. Um, fun memories, but you know, shallow, a shallow way to live. Um, it definitely, uh, even though through it though, there were uh, a lot of times where I could recognize that, God had a hold of me. God was trying to, you know, reel me in. Um, in the high school days, my first exposure to—I uh, mean, I was raised in a Lutheran church, but I didn't really get or understand any of it, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, um, <clears throat> so, you know, gosh, in my, I was probably like a freshman or sophomore in high school when I finally—you know, my parents— let me not go to church on Sundays. And so yeah. I didn't go to church on Sundays. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just a weird, awkward time. And, um, I just, I didn't have any close friends in church or anything like that. So I don't know. I just didn't get it. And, uh, yeah. um, but in senior year of high school, uh, there was a the fellowship of Christian athletes. And, uh, oh, yeah. and I think for me, that was more of wanting to be a part of a friend group. Right. Um, and I was getting into sports and, and starting to, to get more friends. Um, and, uh, so I kind of had my first little glimpse of, uh, what Christ did for us, um, through that. And then through, there was a, there was a, uh, a church in Waukesha that, uh, I think it was Annie Warner. She went to that church and, uh, no relation to me by the way. Um, but then there was a group of us that went to that, uh, went to that youth group type thing. And, and I, I was exposed to this. They did this, um, kind of reenactment of Christ on the cross and, and explain what, uh, what Christ went through. And I was just brought to my knees and tears and, um, and yeah, it wow. really hit this hard. This was your senior year. Yeah. Senior year of high school. Um, but I still wasn't like totally, you know, bought in or transformed or, you know, but it was, it was that that first light, so to yeah. say, right?
0: And so looking back on that now, you can see that God's hand was at work in your life, yeah. you know, tr- trying to get a hold oh, yeah. of you, trying to make his love known to you, trying yep. to call you to repentance. Oh, yeah. yep, and, Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, just what you, it wasn't, you weren't ready. Or, or in his sovereignty, it, oh, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the time.
1: No, yeah, he was still creating the testimony. Another mm-hmm. example of that was I ended up uh, in college going to spring break. I ended up in a minivan with five five girls, six girls, something like that. I was the only guy, uh, drove down to Florida, uh, for spring break. And I remember, um, got arrested there for fake ID, trying to get into a club or something that we were all trying to get into. And, um, (laughs) so, you know, got my tickets and all that stuff. And, um, and then they, they finally let me go and I had to walk like three miles or something like this back to our hotel and, and some, uh, some church organization, uh, you know, college kids ended up picking me up on the side of the road and, uh, and praying for me. And I was so disappointed that I didn't get into that club with these girls to have a good time, but Christ picked me up off of the side of the road. And, um, and again, like I, I felt this this guilt inside of me and this emptiness, and um, that was another kind of a big eye-opening sign. When I look back, uh, that you know, He loves me. He wants me. He wants me to come to Him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could go on. There's lots so, of stories about that.
0: But but that that makes me wonder, and, and maybe this will relate to many of our listeners. Do you think, Matt, that it's important for men? to reflect back on those first couple decades of their lives oh, yeah. and try to look for ways that God was at work, mm. even if they didn't notice mm-hmm. it at the time yeah. to be like, all right, Lord, what, like, what were you doing there? Maybe, maybe your family life wasn't great. Maybe you were being rebellious and making dumb decisions, but to just prayerfully ask and reflect, all right, God, where is your hand at work here that I missed mm. when I was that mm. age? But I look back down and be like, whoa, you were there. Like sure. you, were, you were totally there. Yeah. I just didn't see you. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, that's a huge takeaway when, and especially as I talk to guys, because those first couple, this first 10 to 20 years of your life, there's not much you can control. Mm-hmm. It's kind of given to you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're dealt a little bit of a hand. <laughs> and, and then you, you get your teenage years and you can start exercising some choices sure. and yeah. you become responsible for those decisions. But yeah. e- even that is sort of an on-ramp yeah. to real life when mm-hmm. you're about, 18 19 20 yeah and so everything before that i think learning to say all right lord that that's that's a sovereign foundation you gave me Mm -hmm. i might not like it or i might some people might love it you grew up in a really loving home and but to ask the lord like what ways were you redeeming something in what ways were you trying to break through in what ways were you tapping me on the shoulder in what ways were you trying to to break parts of my hard heart um because he was at work. I mean, mm. we, we're going to say that a lot in this podcast. Like, he pursues his people. Mm. He is, like some theologians have called him, the hound of heaven. Mm-hmm. He hunts us down. <laughs> he wants us. He doesn't need us, but he desires us. And he is coming after us if we would but turn and receive him. Uh, so, that's I think that's a really cool piece of advice, just hearing your story. Yeah. Like, Wow, God was totally at work. You didn't see it. No. But now you look back and you're like, "Oh yeah, thank you Jesus. Mm-hmm. You were with me every step of the way. I just wasn't ready to surrender." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a
1: lot of questioning, you know, why God? Why God? Um, but it was super evident why I was going through some of the struggles that I went through because I was making terrible choices.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was all about me. Ah. And,
1: um, yeah, so yeah, there's, uh, yeah. College years were just a bunch of, um, it was a lot of kind of just driven by sex drugs and alcohol and, uh, ended up leading to getting a girl pregnant, having an abortion, um, and just a really, uh, some rough stuff, um, you know, truly rough stuff. And, uh, but it all kind of changed when I met another drinking buddy who is now my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Karina. Yeah. Your drinking buddy. <laughs> yeah, at first okay. it was that, but uh you know, she had her whole journey of, you know, similar upbringing and, and experiences. And so, uh, we kind of came together and found love and, uh, um, and both realized our depravity and, uh, and both realized our, um, you know, our need for, uh, yeah, our need for, um, knowing the love of, of Christ and what he did for us. And, uh, um, so yeah, it, uh, um, Macarena, I think we'll be married 16 years in February um, and uh, That's awesome yeah, definitely the probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and <laughs> it's crazy saying that because there's all these you know struggles and challenges that we've gone through uh, over the course of the years um, ourselves and, and I'm sure we'll continue to go through raising kids and, and all that but uh, yeah. yeah, ultimately I somehow ended up in uh, at a no regrets conference in 2010 at Elmbrook Church and, uh, um, don't know how I decided to devote an entire Saturday to, to that and being with a bunch of men. Um, but somehow God got me there and, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, that was ultimately the, the life transforming, um, the big, the big part of the transformation was there, right? That's, uh, that's in that day is, uh, where I was saved, uh, where I really realized, um, uh i realized uh, well yeah so vody bachum um awesome oh, yeah. uh preacher He's from good. texas um and uh, now he lives in africa but <laughs> super awesome guy and he brought the word he brought the gospel and uh uh it was it was just so crazy too like i went with again an acquaintance and who was as soon as we walked in the door walked the other way and here I am by myself and uh and then you know first thing there's worship and I'm like way up on top there's 3,000 men and just the the tone of 3,000 men worshiping was uh was crazy to me. I felt it inside and had like, you ever wow, experienced anything no, like that no nothing like that. Yeah. Um, it's like, wow, all these guys really believe this and all these guys mm-hmm. really have this at their core. And, uh, um, so it had my attention and, uh, and then Vody Bauckham got up to share his, uh, first part of his keynote in the, in the morning. And, uh, and yeah, really he like he what he was speaking was my upbringing um it was this crisis of ignorance this perishing for a lack of knowledge uh the vast majority of christians don't know what they don't know Uh, they don't know actually know what the bible is all about they just think it's this set of principles and rules but you know why do we believe what we believe and uh um so uh and he pointed out that the church is losing young people um after their first post high school graduation year, um, 70% of, of kids end up leaving the church and he's like, they're not coming back. Um, Hmm. and so he was, you know, uh, sharing his, all the research and everything behind that, but you know, not a whole lot of 20 and 30 somethings are, are in the church. Uh, so why is this group, why did they leave? And, um, Hmm. And, and he got into this biblical worldview thing and how le- less than 10% of uh, Christians actually have a biblical worldview. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what are we teaching our kids in Sunday school? Um, you know, like, again, I didn't have that— that I didn't understand the overarching story of the Bible, which he then shared. Yeah. And, um, and so because I could relate to that so deeply— um, you know, the, how essentially the church isn't doing it right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, so yeah, I connected with that. And, uh, and then in the afternoon, um, uh, at a second keynote, after we went through all the different sessions and classes and all that stuff during the day, um, uh, that's when really the, the gospel stood out to me. And, uh, uh he explained the real picture of who Jesus was and uh um and he's not this this uh picture that people have of Jesus in their homes of this pretty man with fair skin and nice pink lips right yeah. um and uh no it's the story of uh this heavenly warrior right you, you go through Revelations 19 and um and uh Gosh, that description. I'm going to actually read it because it's so uh, it's so powerful. Yeah, um, please do. John said, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he brings judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty." On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name, this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, and it's just this crazy picture that I never knew, I didn't realize. But, you know, at the same time, right, he he was in the beginning and, and he loved me before I was even conceived, you know. And uh, so just learning that is, I don't know, it was just a really, really powerful thing. Uh, to learn and to to understand. But, um, but yeah, it was really, you know, he got to the Sermon on the Mount and talked about, um, you know, the fruit. What fruit do we have? Um, newsflash, hell is going to be full of people who prayed the prayer and meant it. Uh, but that prayer isn't found in the Bible and their lives don't have any fruit to show that uh that they are followers of Christ and um I was like, wow, yeah, I, I feel that,
0: right? Um and uh um you mean the uh, let's just let's just pause for a second. You sure. mean sure the the prayer that you're speaking of is the one that says like receive Jesus into your heart sort Correct. of thing. Yep. Yeah. 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 I love I love that that is a good critique from Bodhi. By the way, Vodi Balcom is awesome. You should check him out. On on YouTube, or his books are great, too. Uh, <clears throat> you're right. That's That prayer is not in the Bible. No. And what Paul actually says more than anything in his epistles is, in Christ. It's not, oh, I got a little bit of Jesus in my heart. Like, no, no. Christ is much bigger than me. Yeah. Like, I am in him. It's like someone swimming across this great big lake, and they swallow a little gulp of the water. And they go, oh, I got the lake in me. <laughs> Sometimes when Christians talk about Jesus is in my heart, it, it sounds silly to me kind of like that. Like, no, no. If you were on the mountain overlooking that lake and seeing that tiny swimmer swim across, you'd be like, no, that dude's in the lake. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, that is in Christ. Yeah. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you now, but you didn't invite Jesus into your heart. He <laughs> saved you with his own blood. Yeah and raised you from death to life. Yep. <laughs> and you 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 he, you didn't have much of a of a role there to play. Yeah. Uh you are called to, you know, repent and believe mm-hmm. that good news, but man, he saves us mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. 100%. He, does, he doesn't come 99 and we do 1%. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll meet you in the middle. No. So I love that, but I also want to back up a little further mm. as you were reading that description of our glorious, resurrected King Jesus on the horse. You were tearing up. Can you explain a little bit? Because this is what I love about the group of brothers I have in my life right now. And, and you exemplify this. You... You're a strong man. You're a great leader. You stand on truth. You lead your family well, but you're not some sort of guy who's like disconnected from his emotions. Mm -hmm. You realize that, you know, you have a heart. In some ways it reminds me of King David, right? Mm -hmm. The the dude, the dude was a warrior. I mean, no one's going to mess with him. Call him like a a wimp. Oh, you're too emotional, but you read his Psalms and it's like, Mm -hmm. he's pouring his heart out. I, I, and i wonder if the guy still has blood stains on his hand from battle the day before but here he is writing like one thing i seek one thing i desire to dwell in the house of the lord forever all the days of my life it's like man that's that's really beautiful and kind of emotional but you also killed giants you slayed philistines you, you know, like you went to war man and i love that i see that in guys like you like there's there's something about you picturing King Jesus in that scripture from revelation that touched your heart really deeply. Mm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? How did you get to a point where that, that hits you like that? Um, and why is that, would you argue and would I argue, why is that a good thing for men to have in our culture today? Hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's a interesting question. I don't know that I entirely know how to answer that, but, um, but I need to keep reminding myself of what you just said, because I know I have this complex, right? Like I feel like I don't deserve anything. um, And I don't deserve the the grace and the mercy that, that he pours out on me in my life. And, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there, again, it's so drastically different from what I thought I knew about God and, and, who Jesus really is and how he fits into this picture and there, right? There is, there is this picture of this masculinity, right? That, um, uh, I don't know, maybe some will, would be turned off by that, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's the reality, right? Um, and, and yeah, we are a part of this battle, uh, this battle of good versus evil. And, um, just kind of knowing how wrapped up in the evil, it, it's so easy to get caught up in that in life. Um, no matter how good of a person we think we are or, uh, you know, right. whatever, right? There's there's evil around us everywhere, and and we need to be saved, right? Um and yeah i i don't see myself in the same <laughs> in the same uh, light as a uh, king david um i see you in that light i don't necessarily see myself in that honestly but um but i need to right i right this is yeah. this complex that i struggle with but um yeah i i don't know it, it's I mean, yeah, you could see, I, I can't even get through it without, <laughs> without welling up. Awesome. And, um, yeah, there's something, there's something strong about it. Something that just gets to the heart. Um, and, uh, and also it, 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 you know, it, it shows, here's this guy who's, who's defending me, who's coming with arms wide open to, to slay the beasts who are trying to attack me. Um, he wants to save us from, from that evil, um. And yeah, he, he is a warrior. And, uh, uh, if we don't see that and understand that, I think we're,
0: we're missing the big picture. Yeah. Amen, dude. Yes. And amen to that. I also think there's something compelling about seeing another man, you know, seeing someone love Jesus, man, woman, any, you know, kids even sometimes, but seeing you, really love Jesus as you read that scripture and respond like the spirit was stirring in your heart and you didn't you didn't try and like stop the tears and like no emotion um you you just you loved Jesus in that moment and when I see people love Jesus sincerely with with even some emotion emotions don't lead our faith but our faith leads emotion truth should lead our feelings but I like that there's some feelings that follow. If this is real, if Jesus really is coming back like that to right every wrong and take care of every evil, wipe out every injustice and redeem it all and bring a new heaven and a new earth to us, you should have some sort of emotional response. (laughs) And I (laughs) I love watching you love Jesus in that moment. And it and it makes me want to love Jesus more and it makes me love you more. So I just wanted to sorry, that's a bunny trail because you're still sharing your testimony here. So this this story from Revelation was shared yeah. at the No Regrets thing. Yeah. We'll get back on track here. Here we go. Yeah. And you responded, man. You were you that that yeah. was the day you repented, you surrendered, you said, I'm gonna follow Jesus.
1: I'm in. So then it was this his uh when he was talking the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, in Matthew seven, uh, said, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. And I went home to Karina that night and I said, Karina, we're missing the boat here. Oh, um, wow. right. How many is many? And, uh, how few are the ones that find it, right? You look at look around us, right? Who who are who around us are, are living lives of, um, uh, you know, that have any kind of purity, self control, um, you know, that are showing the the fruits of the spirit, and you know, including us, we're we're not, right? And we're we're missing the boat. So that was the eye opener uh, for the both of us, and. And from that moment forward, uh, we knew that uh, it's like we, we got to get off of the fence because uh, right? we would go. Here, there's actually a, a story where we really realized it was um, we were hanging out with another couple, some friends of ours uh, at a bar. And uh, I don't know, it was just kind of a stale night. And we uh, we told them, you know, it's like midnight. We're going to go home. We're going to get up and go to church tomorrow. And like, they looked at us quizzically thinking, what? You guys go to church? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and for us, it's like, okay, we realize there is nothing about our lives that is telling anybody else around us that, uh. that we have Christ, that we, we have this desire to follow him. And, uh, cause we were still riding that fence, right? Uh, it's like, okay, we can still have fun and go out to the bars and, you know, live stupid lives uh but we also want to go to church on sunday too it's like a little bit of jesus sprinkled in yeah so (laughs) uh so yeah after that we uh we we committed our lives to christ and um, and then both of you that same both of us yeah yeah oh man yeah yeah and then it's crazy too just sharing that story with my mom my sister they too were, were saved right after that. I ended up, uh, like a year later being baptized. I didn't even know my mom was being baptized. I got baptized one weekend and then the very next weekend she was scheduled to have, to be baptized in the lake. Uh, you know, and, <laughs> uh, I didn't on. even, I didn't even know, like she didn't know that I was being baptized and yeah. I didn't realize. So it was just this Crazy thing.
0: So now, um, you're, now your whole family's getting changed, transformed. God's, yeah. God's doing some serious stuff. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah.
1: It changed the trajectory that. of us raising our kids. We ended up. Um, yeah. Vodi Bacham. He. Uh, he. <laughs> it was this influence we ended up somehow getting this uh, dvd from someone uh called children of caesar and so we we were started having kids and brighton i think was just a baby and we saw this children of caesar and then we saw this indoctrination documentary thing with this family that bought a bus and traveled around the country and uh we're talking about homeschooling and um and so that's how we ended up kind of getting called into um raising our kids in a different way. Um, that, uh, um, I don't know, we, we had this, we felt this conviction, um, to, uh, yeah. What was it? I'm, um, oh, that's right. Vodibachum in that, uh, in that DVD, uh, something that stuck out is, uh, he said, we cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. And, whoa, that's a great quote. Yeah. Um, so we were living on this little this little hobby farm type thing. It was just this little dinky house. It was on four acres. We were renting it, um, and uh, uh, you know, kind of that homesteading kind of lifestyle. There was something attractive about it. Uh, you know, we got. We ended up getting a few chickens, and I ended up building a chicken coop, and um, you know, which is the gateway drug to people that love doing hobby farms. But because uh, <laughs> then we ended up with a donkey and goats, and we ended up milking goats, <laughs> and uh, I don't know it was just crazy. But uh, you know, it's like that. We wanted to, I wanted to have live in a place where we could raise our kids in a way that I thought was different, um, where there's just built in responsibility. There's built in, you know, you have to, it's not, life isn't just about you. There are these other things that we need to take care of, you know, the, the land, the, the animals. Um, and, uh, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's funny how like homesteading, hobby farming and homeschooling all kind of were these things that we were convicted of. And, uh, um, because things too, that by the way, are, are not easy to do. Right, um, right. <laughs> <clears throat> you can ask my wife how, how easy it is wrangling, uh, three young prepubescent girls <laughs> and being with them 24 hours a day, basically, and trucking them around to all their stuff. And, you know, and then, you know, the hobby farm, it's like, well, we've got long winters here in Wisconsin. And so, um, got to, got to make sure they're watered and fed each morning and each afternoon during the winter time during the long winter. And, yep. um, so, you know, and I've had temptations to want to quit those things. And, uh, Mm. it's like, well, no, you know, I mean, these are important things to, to stay committed to. Right. And uh, even with homeschooling, even before we got into it, uh, I remember very vividly on, being on the phone with Karina. Uh, she's like, I don't think we can do this. I'm not qualified. I'm not capable of doing this. I'm like, sweetie, you are more than qualified to be able to do this. So, like, By the way, I that- think
0: every mom says that <laughs> Claire said that before we started yeah. homeschooling and, like we- and your wife, Karina, had to talk her yeah In, into it by by basically sharing her testimony yep. yeah, so it's
1: like we all we're talking ourselves out of it before we're even into it and um but yeah. yeah, um, I don't know if those were uh some strong convictions that uh that we're still continuing to try to to carry out and stay committed to and
0: um but yeah, I love that I love that how so you <laughs> you said a lot right there that I think will will'll we'll have to bring you back for another episode because if you don't know. Friends, audience. So not only Matt and Karina, they have they have three kids. Uh, Karina also has a really cool testimony of things that God did in her life before she even met Matt. And uh, now, yeah, they they homeschool. They're uh, they've taken leadership roles, especially Karina, in our homeschool community. Matt owns a business um, and has how many employees, Matt? Uh, five, five employees, small business here in the area. There's a responsibility there. And your current (laughs) farm right now, how many acres, how many animals? I mean, what are we, this is, this is not four acres anymore. That's what you used to have. And you rented that. Where where are you at now though?
1: Yeah. We ended up buying a place up in Stonebank. um, bought a little 10 acre, hobby farm and, uh, a little from 10 a, acre. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, from, from a guy who, uh, you know, I'd love to just be a farmer and not have to do the grind and, you know, uh, do the daily grind of, um, you know, the full-time job and having all the responsibility and dealing with people and all that stuff. I'd right. love to just be a farmer and have hundred acres and <laughs> you know work the land and, right. um, not have to deal with so many people some days, but, um, But, yeah, so, yeah, we've got a great little community, um, sweet folks that live around us. Um, You know, I rotate our our sheep. We've got about 50 head of sheep. Uh, We've got a handful of goats and some chickens. And uh, so I rotate the sheep on some of our neighbor's fields and things like that. And, uh, I don't know,
0: it's fun. Yeah. Well, it uh, it ties into some of what this podcast hits on in other episodes about uh, men Creating opportunities for some self sufficiency, sure. um, and there's there's some risk there. There's steps of faith that you need to take with wisdom, with with prayer and and conversation with your wives and everything. But uh, to lead in a way that isn't just consumer based, but it's like, hey, what am I going to mm-hmm. produce? How am I going to contribute? Not just to my wife, not just for my kids, although they're 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 always your highest responsibility, but also to the community around me, my workplace, my neighborhood, my local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt and Karina are definitely producing uh, because they've they've taken these steps to gain and then maintain some amount of self sufficiency, and they've taught. They've taught me, like Matt, just a year ago, you were teaching me how to harvest venison. How to, you know, how to go through the whole thing. And I love that. And this this winter, we're going to do a sheep, you know? Yeah. And and then a couple other guys, because Matt and I were having dinner a couple weeks ago, a couple of other guys were like, can I buy a sheep too? Can you teach me too? <laughs> there's this, there's, there's a desire. It's been quiet for a while, but it's increasing. There's a desire in men today who are surrounded. We're constantly looking at our screens where everything's digital. Our bank accounts, they can work from home eight hours a day and stare at a computer. We're looking for things to do with our hands. We're looking for things that are physical. We're looking for things that aren't dependent on uh, another corporation or a government entity. Like what can I do with my hands um, in a way that feeds people, provides for... uh, Either... Spiritually feeds them or physically feeds them, and you have been so gracious in teaching not only me but a whole bunch of other dudes that, and and I love that about you, and I think it ties in really well with what you were sharing of of your story, your testimony, what what Vodi was teaching there about. Hey, look, we gotta as men we gotta stop entrusting the our education for our children to Caesar, and then be surprised that they come back looking like Romans. Uh, so I love that. And um, I think we'll we'll definitely have a whole episode focused on some of these things in the future. Self-sustaining, homeschooling, homesteading. You know, um, I, it's funny that you said chickens because Claire and I are gonna probably get chickens this winter. <laughs> so um, we'll see where that leads. Anyway, um, Matt, let's do this. Let's take a minute or two to bring it to a close. I wanna ask you... Um, Knowing your story, I, I want you to picture um, what, what would you say to yourself as a, as a teenager or as a young man, early 20s, what would you say today specifically to young men in their early 20s who don't know Jesus yet, or maybe they kind of sort of think they do, but they're not really, they're not following him. Yeah. What, would, uh, what would your parting words of wisdom be to them for this particular podcast episode? Mm.
1: I think uh understand that you are living Christ's story. You're not necessarily living your own story, right? You might think you are. Um but ultimately we're we're all living Christ's story and and carrying out uh what he had planned um from the beginning. Um like how he shows how he shows the world who he is and uh, and it's through redemption uh, his redemptive story is um, outstanding there will be highs and lows in your life uh, um, for all of us right no, no, nobody is immune to the struggles of life um, and uh, um, just know that there is somebody out there that loves you um, and you might think, well. I've got friends, I've got family, um, but it's crazy how quickly you realize, yeah, the, we live in a very selfish world, and uh, the only one that really, truly cares about you and, and your eternal story is Christ. Um, so just know that, know that you're loved, and uh, um, know that you're, you're a part of a, a bigger story, a bigger testimony. Amen. Thanks, bro.